Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Elliot Mellick. I think Elliot's been on more episodes than anybody else. I think he has the <laughs> record for the show. Uh, but Elliot, if people somehow don't know who you are, um, let's do an intro uh, and then where to reach you. Actually, no, we'll do the reach you at the end, but uh, give, give us an intro. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, it's great to be back. Uh, so for those of you that don't know me, uh, I am a cross-border CPA. So I've been based here in Ottawa, Canada. Um, I've been doing U.S. and Canadian tax for almost 15 years. Um, I worked at Ernst & Young doing U.S. corporate tax, U.S. personal tax, and all that good stuff for about eight years. And I went off to Deloitte for two years. Um, again, doing a lot of cross-border stuff as well. Um, I worked in the industry for, uh, for a construction company here in Ottawa that uh, you know, had, a, had a pretty big presence in the United States, so handled a lot of their U.S. tax uh, work uh, on their side. And then about three years ago, I kind of branched out on my own. But there was a need, especially in the real estate market, with you know, helping Canadians buy U.S. real estate, you know, doing proper tax planning, obviously handling the compliance work. So I've um, been doing this for about three years now. And, uh, and yeah, I've been on your show a few times, and it's... Uh, it's been uh, it's been it's been interesting. I guess I guess I have a nice face that uh, you you want to keep keep coming back. So <laughs> yeah. So what I got Elliot on here is if you guys listen to this show regularly, uh, episode one twenty five, we had Dave Foster who was talking ten thirty one from the American side, and throughout the show I kept saying I really should talk to Elliot about the Canadian side. I really should talk to Elliot about the Canadian side. So here's Elliot. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Canadian side. Sure, absolutely. So, I mean, just to kind of give you a high level. Um, well, first, I want to buy you the disclaimer, just to indicate that we are, um, you know, this is very high level. This is, you know, and the advice we're going to be giving, or not the advice, but the information we're going to be giving is is purely for informational purposes, right? Uh, obviously, everybody's situation is going to be different. Their tax rates going to be different. Their marginal rates going to be different. Uh, you know, how much activity they do in the U.S. going to be different. So. Take this as a high-level introduction and reach out to me directly in order to get uh, a more clear-cut understanding of your personal situation. Um, just don't take my advice on this uh, on this call because, again, you know, it, you can't differentiate quite substantially between individuals. So, yeah. um, so you never know what's going to change, too. A- absolutely, and that's the thing, right? So, I mean, the rules change, you know, every six months or every year, give or take. So, um, you know, it's 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 relevant to today's date, which is October second, twenty twenty. And um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, hopefully it doesn't change too much, but uh, this is where we're at right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I think with any of this accounting stuff, you should be using a professional CPA Absolutely. anyway. Yeah, Absolutely. especially at the start, you get your stuff set up, but then once you have one started, then you're not going to want to stop. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you, you don't want stuff set up wrong. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Absolutely. I mean, it's always best to have it done that uh, correctly to begin with. Um, you know, I mean, the issue is not uh, the first few years It's more when you later, later, you know, five years down the road, when you have a sizable portfolio and at that point, CRA comes knocking on your door and starts auditing your books. Right. Um, you want to make sure it's taken care of uh, ahead of time properly. And then at that point, uh, you know, there's really not a huge issue five, 10 years down the road. So, um, okay. So just to begin, I mean, I, I, I will listen to Dave's uh, you know, interview again earlier this morning, and um, to be honest, it is actually pretty accurate when it comes to uh, the U.S. side. You know, the FERPA withholdings on pertaining to foreign individuals, how you know how you can structure through an LP and all that good stuff, and and the rules around the 1031. He was spot on, to be honest. And um, high level, to be honest, anybody he is correct that anybody can actually do a 1031. So as a Canadian, you are eligible to do a 1031. 
The issue is that it doesn't make business sense and more importantly, it doesn't make tax sense from a Canadian perspective to actually do a 1031, okay? So, and the biggest issue re relates to section 95 of the CRA code, which is known as the FAPI, uh, FAPI rules. So the foreign accrual property income rules basically states that anytime you have a Canadian resident, whether it's an individual or whether it's a Canadian corporation that owns a foreign sub or a foreign affiliate company, and that owns more than 50%. So it has to be a CFA, a controlled foreign affiliate, right? So you have a Canadian individual, say for a person, owns 100% of a US C Corp. Yeah. At that point, it would be considered a CFA for Canadian tax purposes, okay? Um, and then every year, what you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to file what's known as a T1134 to report the, any FAPI income that's earned within that corporation. So. The reason why CRA introduced this type of rule is because people, you know, Canadians were avoiding essentially tax on the U.S. side of the border by doing these 1031 exchanges, but they circumvent Canadian rules where you have to report the capital gains and all the rental income every single year. So keep in mind that these FAPI rules, they only pertain to passive income, okay? So if you open up a tax shop or insurance company or hair salon in the United States, whatever the case may be, that's considered active income. And you can, def you know, you don't have to pay Canadian tax until you take the money out of the business. But with respect to real estate, or more importantly, passive income, so if you set up a U.S. C-Corp and you buy property through there, or you buy some stocks or bonds or whatever the case may be, and you incur interest or dividends or royalties, and, or in this case, you know, capital gains by selling a property, you, essentially what CRA is saying, and this quote is saying, is that you have to pay, or report, the report the income and pay the tax on your personal individual tax return or your corporate Canadian tax return every single year, regardless of even if you took the money out of that U.S. corporation. So this is way this is CRA's way of circumventing that uh, you know deferring of uh, tax on the U.S. side of the border, essentially. Okay. So basically, if I was going to sum this up the way I understand it, if we can get around this. We can do the deferral really beautifully on the American mm -hmm. side. Um, but when we do the Canadian side, when we report our do our taxes for Canada Revenue we should be reporting that capital gain as a capital gain, right? And we will play it there instead? Correct, so yeah, so I mean, let's fit, take an example. Say you have a Canadian corporation that owns a US company and they own 100%. So one way to kind of get around these rules is by getting a, getting a US, uh, US partner, a US individual in the United States that maybe owns 50% of this corporation. And at that point, it's not a CFA anymore, not a controlled foreign affiliate. So you don't have to worry about the, the FAPI rules. You only pay the tax when you take the cash out of the business, right? But say, for example, you own that Canadian corporation owns 100%, then, uh, then yes, then every year there is kind of threshold. So if you earn under $5,000 of FAPI income in, in the year, you actually don't have to report it. So anything above $5,000 has to be reported on that Canadian corporation's T1134, and you have to pay income on on the, uh, on the FAPI income on your T2, your Canadian tax return, right? So that's kind of CRA's way of, uh, end of the day, getting, getting the tax on, on the income that, uh, you know, that was deferred on the U.S. side. So you can defer it on the U.S. side, but you still have to pay tax in Canada. So that's kind of where the disconnect actually lies, right? Um, the, issue, the issue is that, you know, even though you're deferring about 15% of capital gains tax, you're still going to pay about 25 or 30 or 40% tax here in on the Canadian side, depending on your marginal tax rates. So it doesn't make sense to defer 15% on the US side and pay you know, 30% in Canada. 
right? Because by doing that, what you're doing is you're not uh, not taking into effect the foreign tax credit that you're, that you're eligible for, right? Yeah. So say for example, say for example, you you pay you defer fifteen percent tax on the U.S. side initially, yeah. but you know, and, and then you have to, and then on Canadian side, you have to pay about 25%. So you're paying 25% tax on here in Canada already. Yeah. And then say, for example, you sell that property uh, or you sell the additional property you bought, you know, in the next year, you're going to have to pay the tax on the U.S. side again, plus you're going to have to pay an additional 25% tax on the new property that you bought. So, you know, if you, if you did not do a 1031 and you, you incurred the tax, you'd pay 15% here in Canada. U.S. So you pay 15% on the U.S. side, yeah, and then you pay 25% in Canada, but then you get a foreign tax credit for that 15% already paid, right? Yeah. So then you're paying an additional 10%. Ultimately, you're going to be paying the tax based on the Canadian marginal rates because they are higher than Canada. But by deferring the tax on the U.S. side, you don't get to claim the foreign tax credit. That's what that's what offsets your double tax. So, so it probably, from what I'm the way I'm feeling this, it probably makes a lot more sense to pay the tax now then pay the tax later because <clears throat> you're basically going to have stuff out of whack right because that's the thing end of the day it comes down to a timing difference right yeah so if you don't pay the tax on the u.s side you're gonna have to pay it later and later anyways but you're ultimately paying the higher canadian marginal tax rates every single year regardless right so, so you might as well might as well claim a foreign tax credit and off you know and and just claim the foreign tax credit and minimize that double taxation situation that you're in essentially by deferring it on the US side. Yeah. Because say you had like uh, your, say Canada was going to make you pay $25,000. You're going to pay $25,000 anyway. It's whether you pay 12 to the US first and then 15 exactly. to Canada. That's exactly. You're paying 25 either way. <laughs> That's exactly it, right? So, and then so the ability, ability to use that foreign tax credit, which is what uh, minimize that double tax, and it has to be done in the same year, right? So if you defer the tax, to a later date on the U.S. side, you know, you're still going to pay a tax based on the higher Canadian rates here in Canada. So, um, so yes, in theory, you can do a 1031 as a foreigner, as a Canadian, but from uh, from a numbers perspective and a tax perspective, a lot of times it just doesn't make any sense to do so. so. I have a screwball question that probably doesn't change anything, but mm -hmm. you know, I I'm going for um, the E2 visa. You're yep. doing the E2 visa. Um, would that change anything if we were a resident at the time great question and yeah so remember it's only the cra's perspective right that that comes to the issue if you formally move to the united states and you give up your tax residency here in canada basically you have to file a departure tax return here in canada indicate to cra that you left on this certain date but if you sold the property um you know us pro keep in mind that you are going to have to pay uh, capital gains on your worldwide income on the date you left right so you're going to have to determine what the fair market value of, of the property that you own um and stuff like that so you know it, it is a way to defer it i guess but uh end of the day any new property you buy once you formally left canada will be eligible for 1031 so that's okay. kind of where it makes sense the most most of the time so <laughs> that makes sense i get yeah. it <laughs> okay uh did i miss anything if i was asking you stuff well, I mean, it is it is pretty complex. Um, to be honest, I've, I've crunched the numbers so many times trying to figure out if there's a way for Canadians to do it where it actually makes sense on a numbered basis. You know, and I guess in theory, if you make a seventy-five to hundred thousand capital gain and you have no other income on both sides of the border, so like this capital gain on this flip, you know, in in whatever floor or the case may be, in that case, you might you know the numbers might might work out where it might make sense. But you know, two, three, four thousand dollars you're paying for the ten thirty-one exchange uh, fees to do it. 
would typically offset the uh, the tax advantage anyway. So um, so for one in a thousand people, you might have a you might have an op uh, an opportunity to actually uh, you know do it and it might make sense. But for ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the people here in Canada, forcibly just doesn't work unless you're formally willing to move to the United States to uh, you know get and give up your ties to Canada, give up your residency ties here in Canada. So. Gotcha. Okay, Elliot. People who want to get a hold of you, who want to use you for an accountant or get some information, what's the best way to do so? Absolutely. So uh, best way is by uh, by phone. So you can reach me on my direct line at six one three five eight one two six nine five. Again, my email address is Elliot Millick at canustax.com. So that's E L L I O T T M I L E K at C A N dash U S tax.com. So. Cool. I'll throw it in the show notes too. So if anyone just Sounds wants to good. copy and paste it and that is that Ottawa number, uh, but technically your accountant doesn't actually have to be in the backyard. <laughs> that you can, if you're like Van, in Vancouver, you can still use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have clients across the country. So it's, um, you know, I have, I have a platform where we can work remotely, so it's not an issue. Um, and, you know, I try to make it as easy as, easy as possible for my clients. So uh, definitely regardless of where you are in the country, we can certainly work, work together. So. That sounds great, Elliot. Um, thanks for so much for going on the show and uh, clarifying some of that stuff for me. Uh, good to bring me down to uh, a reasonable like, excitement level after that other, after episode 25. Yeah. Awesome. All right. All right. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Have a good man. day.